Hello and welcome to the Minimum Competence episode for Thursday, June 1st, 2023. I'm your host for today, Andrew Leahy, a tax and technology attorney from New Jersey. In today's episode, we have a step forward in the debt ceiling deal, more Oath Keepers being sentenced, SBF of FTX tries a new defense, Operation Fox Hunt, and Chewy wins an OSHA challenge. Let's hit the ground running in June and take a little gander at today's legal news. We have a patent anniversary to acknowledge today, as are this day in legal history entry. On this day in 1869, Thomas Alva Edison was granted a patent, his first, for an electric voting machine to be used by Congress. The vote recorder was Edison's first patented invention and was specifically designed for legislative bodies like Congress. His motivation for creating this device came from reports in The Telegrapher stating that the Washington, D.C. City Council and the New York State Legislature were considering the installation of electric vote recorders. Edison's system involved each legislator moving a switch to indicate a yes or no vote, which transmitted a signal to a central recorder. The recorder had two columns of metal type labeled yes and no, where the names of the members were listed. A recording clerk would then place chemically prepared paper over the columns and roll a metallic roller over it, creating imprints of the names through chemical decomposition. The machine also had dials on its sides to record the total number of yeas and nays. Edison was granted U.S. patent number 90,646 for this invention on June 1, 1869. A fellow telegrapher named DeWitt Roberts bought a share in the invention for $100 and brought it to Washington, D.C. to demonstrate to a committee of Congress. However, the chairman of the committee was unimpressed with the device's speed in recording votes and stated that it was not something they wanted. The traditional roll call voting process, although slow, allowed members to filibuster or persuade others to change their votes, leading to the vote recorder's ultimate disuse. Thus, like so many great ideas, Edison's invention died in committee. The House of Representatives passed a debt limit legislation proposed by President Joe Biden and Speaker Kevin McCarthy. The bill, approved with a 314 to 117 bipartisan vote, aims to impose spending restraints until the 2024 election and prevent a potential U.S. default. The agreement garnered support from two-thirds of House Republicans, boosting McCarthy's position as Speaker. More Democrats voted in favor than Republicans, and conservative critics argue that the deal was unfavorable. The bill now moves to the Senate, where approval is expected. The legislation suspends the debt ceiling until January 1, 2025, while Democrats agreed to cap federal spending until then. The agreement is seen as a rare moment of bipartisan accord in a divided Washington. Investors have already shifted their focus to other factors influencing growth, such as potential Federal Reserve interest rate increases and the weakening Chinese economy. Two members of the far-right Oath Keepers terrorist militant group are facing sentencing for seditious conspiracy and other crimes related to the January 6, 2021 attack on the U.S. Capitol by supporters of then-President Donald Trump. Prosecutors are requesting a 17-year prison sentence for each defendant. If the judge follows this recommendation, it would be among the longest sentences for anyone charged in the Capitol attack. You will remember the Oath Keepers founder, Stuart Rhodes, was recently sentenced to 18 years in prison, the longest sentence so far. The defense attorneys for the defendants argue that the evidence against their clients is weak and that the blame should be shifted to Trump for misleading his supporters. Sam Bankman-Fried, the former chief executive of FTX Cryptocurrency Exchange, is seeking documents from Fenwick & West, the law firm that advised his defunct exchange, as he faces fraud charges. Bankman-Fried believes that the documents could help prove he relied on legal advice and did not knowingly break the law. The requested documents relate to matters central to the government's case, such as FTX's use of disappearing messaging services and failure to properly register with regulators. Bankman-Fried has pleaded not guilty to multiple charges, including fraud and conspiracy. Prosecutors have opposed his request, stating that his claims are meritless. Retired NYPD Sergeant Michael McMahon and two individuals accused of being Chinese agents are standing trial in Brooklyn, 
for their alleged involvement in a plot to repatriate a former Chinese government official residing in New Jersey. The case is part of Operation Fox Hunt, an initiative by the Chinese government to coerce Chinese nationals living abroad to return to China through tactics such as harassment and threats. The defendants are the first to be tried in the United States in connection with this operation. McMahon, along with Yang Zhu and Kang Yang Zhen, allegedly used the elderly father of their target as bait to warn him about the consequences of not returning to China. McMahon, hired as a private investigator, is accused of surveilling the target, while Zhen is accused of harassing the target and his daughter. The prosecution argues that each defendant played a role in the Chinese government's efforts to intimidate and threaten the victim. McMahon has pleaded not guilty, claiming he was unaware of the true intent behind the scheme. The trial is expected to last two to three weeks, and if convicted, McMahon could face up to 10 years in prison. And finally, pet supply retailer Chewy Inc. has won a challenge to a fine imposed by the U.S. Occupational Safety and Health Administration, or OSHA, over a forklift accident that resulted in the death of a warehouse worker. The 11th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals ruled unanimously that Chewy did not violate federal workplace safety law because it had complied with a specific rule governing forklifts. OSHA had fined Chewy around $13,000 in 2019 following the accident in Florida, but the court found that the company had provided the required training and that the OSHA rule on forklifts applied, preempting the general duty to protect workers. The court's decision highlighted that the retail industry generally does not consider eliminating underrides necessary and that doing so could actually increase the risk of accidents. For those that don't moonlight as forklift operators, an underride is when a forklift operator reverses towards a storage rack with the forks trailing. So going backwards, in other words. If the operator extends the forklift too far, causing it to pass beneath the horizontal crossbar, it creates an underride situation. In such cases, the crossbar can enter the operator's compartment and result in injury. Essentially, it is running a forklift backwards such that the front safety mechanisms are not the first thing to hit a shelf. You are. So, now you know. And contented in that knowledge, I thank you so much for listening to Minimum Competence, your daily news podcast for lawyers. If you're looking for more than Minimum Competence, links to readings on all the topics touched on today are in the show notes. If you have any questions or story suggestions, you can find us on Mastodon on the esq.social instance. I'm at Andrew, and my co-host Gina is at Gina. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the host and do not represent those of any organization we may be affiliated with. Nothing here should be construed as legal advice because it is not legal advice. Reviews go a long way towards helping new listeners to find our show. If you have a moment and can leave a rating or review on your podcast player, we'd appreciate it. And if you know someone that might be interested in the story we cover, consider sending them the episode. Minimum Competence is available at minimumcomp.com and wherever you get your finely crafted podcasts. We'll see you back here tomorrow. And until then, remember, underrides are not specifically disclaimed by OSHA, but they seem like a really bad idea. But that said, I'm not a forklift operator and nothing here should be construed as forklift advice.